0: Good morning, and welcome to worship here at the table at Central United Methodist Church. My name is Matt, and along with Linda, we serve as the co-pastors for this fabulous community. And for those of us that are in person, we are aware that it is a little cooler than we would like it to be, and we apologize for that. We think that the heat is going, and um, if not, cuddle up with someone, and um, there are blankets around as well. Um, we are grateful to gather both here in person and those that are with us at the table.live. Chloe is there with you. Um, we want to celebrate that we have a couple of guests with us this morning. So, one of those is actually Kara Tupi. Kara is part of our community of faith, and she is going to be sharing an original piece of music that she wrote in response to this worship series as part of our worship this morning. So, we're really grateful to have Kara um, being brave and stepping right in with our music team to share this incredible piece of music with us. And we are so, so, so grateful. For that. Also, we called this series Yes to the Mess. So, of course, Ben um, was sick yesterday, and so now uh, Tyler is with us. So, we are grateful to have Tyler stepping in in the last moment as well. And with us to share the message this morning is a friend and colleague. This is Diana Bone. Um, Diana is with us this morning. She's a retired deacon in the United Methodist Church, just like Mallory Naik, who's part of our community, is a retired deacon. Um, Retired recently in the United Methodist Church, and her partner um, is a long, long time friend of Pastor Linda's. So we are so grateful to have you with us. Um, Diana, thank you. Sometimes when we wake up in the morning, we really do have our hearts and our minds and our bodies set on justice and love and freedom. And sometimes when we wake up in the mornings, our minds and hearts are set on weariness. And so this song that we're gonna share this morning comes to us from a tradition of God's people calling one another to trust in God's love and then to rise in and through that. So whether you can sing this because it is how you are this morning, or whether you are singing this because you need to feel this, I invite you to stand as you're willing and able. This is our music team inviting us together to join our voices. This is Woke Up This Morning.
1: with my mind.
0: us to be seated we are going to keep moving in worship together this is a poem and a prayer that comes to us from folks at the work of the people and so we've learned alongside uh, folks like Barbara Holmes how the church is called into contemplative ways of being through song that repeats and then invites us into the depth of God's love and then at times to slow down and to center into that space and so this prayer is going to invite us into that depth so let us be in a spirit of prayer
2: I rest in you,
3: O God I am in your safekeeping Body and soul held in peace My heart cries out to you, my God All that upsets me, you see All that disturbs me, you understand Only here, in your presence Am I fully known? I am wrapped in grace. I rest in you, O God. I am in your safekeeping. Body and soul held in peace. I try to relax, but anger rattles me. but my failings niggle at me. Be still, be silent, put your trust in the Lord. I rest in you, O God. I am in your safe keeping. of your face shines. My heart turns to thankfulness and is glad. I have more than enough. You, Lord, are more than enough. I lie down to sleep, safe and sound. I rest in you, O God. I am in your safe keeping, body and soul held in peace, be still and rest, you are held
0: the children among us are calling us into song in the most beautiful of ways. So I invite you to stand as you're willing and able, those that are with us in person and to join our voices, um, to slow down and stay in that space of prayer. We invite you to move as you feel led to sing along. This is our music team sharing Be Thou My Vision.
4: Welcome, my name is Sarneet Prasad and I'm our Sunday morning coordinator here at the table. A Couple of weeks our kids sign up was not working and then we had some issues this morning but our little angel called Dina (laughs) helped me out. (laughs) And I would really like to thank her and, and everybody for having patience for the kids sign up and other things. We are grateful to be together this morning as we move through a three-week series called Yes to the Mess." (laughs) Yes! (laughs) I would like to again welcome and thank Pastor Diana Moore for leading us today. For those of us gathering online, at table.live, both Chloe is with you. Chloe is with you as our host this morning. Please message her in the chat if you have questions or need assistance. Today's bulletin is available with a QR code for those in the century and a link will be shared for those online. If you would like to learn more about our community of faith, please text the word new to the number on the screen. When you feel ready to connect with others and learn more about the table, our co-pastors lead a series called Growing in Faith, which is designed to help newcomers learn more about how we share life together here at the table. Our next Growing in Faith series will be held on Sunday evening and will begin on February 26th. Learn more and sign up online at tableumc.org. The next next segment, I want to share something briefly. When I was moving from Fiji Islands, and there was a moment in my life where I didn't know where home will be, and I had I had my friends who helped me out, and in that period, I had a sense of loss. I had a sense of Despair and but here I am having a home with all of you, with my friends and with amazing people around me. So in that light, other community of faith in this year's habitant for humanity, built for unity. We have a team from the table, working alongside with other communities of faith on February 2nd, 3rd, and 5th. We have limited opening, but we really like all of you to sign up. (laughs) I invite you to remain seated as we continue to move in worship. We are thrilled to include an original piece of music in worship today, Kara Tupi is part of our community of faith, and she wrote the lyrics and music to this song through inspiration from her worship series. This is Yes to the Mess by Kara Tupi.
5: To learn how to lean into how to speak the truth how to name discontent when it represents my soul crying out for change I am learning to say yes today as I lean into this My dream being is
6: Thank you so, so much, Kara. Right now I want to invite our children to move with our teachers upstairs to our Godly Play sanctuary as uh, Brandon and the rest of the musicians uh, help with some walking music. There it is. So Godly Play is our ministry with children on Sunday mornings. Storytellers share stories from scripture and invite children to wonder about the mystery and the love of God. While we have loving and professional care for our youngest children in the A-frame, throughout our worship, godly play is designed for children in elementary school. Our reading this morning comes from Habakkuk, chapter two, verses one through three. And we invite you to follow along with us as I share from a paraphrase of this text called The Message by Eugene Peterson. What's God going to say to my questions? I'm braced for the worst. I'll climb to the lookout tower and scan the horizon. I'll wait to see what God says how God will answer my complaint. And then God answered. Write this, write what you see, write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming, it can hardly wait. And it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time.
7: Good morning. Good morning. I can remember years and years ago, uh, Pastor Linda sharing with us clergy colleagues a seed of a vision of a table. I could never have known then that I would be standing here today within the warm welcome on this cold day of a living, breathing ministry created by God's grace and by all of you. I'm grateful to Pastor Matt and to Pastor Linda for their invitation and for their flexibility, which has made it possible for me to join you today for worship. I'm glad to be here. Well, I think it was all of the water falling relentlessly from the skies and all the fallow time while recovering from COVID over the last weeks that took my wandering mind to remembering a story about the great 13th century poet and Islamic scholar, Rumi. Rumi was well acquainted with migration and movement with wandering and changing course. When he was a teen, the Mongols invaded his home and his family headed west toward Baghdad, and then to Damascus, and finally on to Konya, a town in today's south-central Turkey. On their way, the story goes, Rumi was walking behind his father, who was a respected scholar, when they encountered Atar, a renowned Persian poet, who said of the two as they approached, oh look, a sea followed by an ocean. Two human beings, two majestic, restless bodies moving fluidly over the earth, at ease in their extraordinary power and depth, a sea followed by an ocean. What a glorious thing to say about two people. That got me to thinking by comparison, there are so many less glorious souls walking the earth. (laughs) (laughs) Then Rumi and his sage father must have appeared. What might Athar have said about all the others he saw walking one behind the other? About the more common and ordinary sojourners? About the lost and wandering beings, you know, like you and me? Oh look, a trickle followed by a puddle. A gully followed by a creek <laughs> a droplet followed by some runoff <laughs> the truth is the world is full of us all of us living walking bodies of water flesh and bone And whether we fancy ourselves an ocean, a sea, a pond, a basin, river, trickle, droplet, or deluge, we are all in motion, ever-changing, growing, and receding, reshaping ourselves anew. Our worlds expand and evaporate as life carries us, and finally, washes away everything that's non-essential. But until that time, we'll all ebb and flow, rise and fall, and we'll all spill over into unintended spaces, leaving inconvenient, substantial, or catastrophic messes in our wakes. Such is life. It's messy on every level personal, communal, societal, national, and global, all swirling messes, overflowing, even our best efforts to contain them. The Old Testament book of Habakkuk is one such mess. It's it's so messy, in fact, that the entire third chapter, which is also the last chapter, is thought by many scholars to be a later addition to the book, written by a completely different person than the one who wrote the first two chapters. Someone just couldn't leave the unresolved mess of chapter one and two alone, so they wrote a tidier ending to the broken sequences and unresolved questions. I could have written that third chapter. I don't know what your tendencies are when dealing with messes in your lives, but this is what I tend to do. First, I awfulize the mess. I spend lots of psychic energy ruminating on all the worst possible scenarios. And by the time I'm ready to act, I've often imagined dimensions to a mess that never existed. In spite of that though, I do still try to respond to the mess in ways that are clear-eyed and fair. But sometimes my own feelings of discomfort with the situation get in my way. And my survival mechanisms cloud my thinking. And before I know it, I can find myself trying to tidy everything up by taking care of everyone's feelings instead of working through the hard issues. Just like the author of the third chapter of Habakkuk, I tend to fix messes when I really want to resolve them. But this is only one reason why I'm a puddle and not an ocean or a sea. (laughs) But like most of us, I am an earnest puddle. And though I don't choose the storms that create the messes, somehow I grow a little with each downpour, expanding my pool of experience and hoping to retain all I can for the next time. So let's take a look at these first two chapters of this little book about one among the most tenacious puddles, Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a prophet who lived in the kingdom of Judah in an area south of Jerusalem toward the end of the 7th century BCE. In the first chapter of the book, we find Habakkuk complaining bitterly to God about the injustice, violence, and corruption within his own nation. Destruction and violence are before me, he says. There is strife, and conflict abounds. The law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. Habakkuk passionately appeals to God to act on behalf of his people. He's fed up with God's perceived indifference in the face of their suffering. It's not the first time, and it won't be the last that someone rails against injustice and God's inaction through it. But in the next verses, God does act. But in a way that understandably distresses and confounds Habakkuk, God will mete out punishment against Judah's wickedness by sending the Chaldeans and even more violent people to invade and conquer the kingdom. I am rousing the Chaldeans, God says, that fierce and impetuous nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. What? What? <laughs> That's absolutely not what Habakkuk expected nor what he wanted to hear. So Habakkuk acts. He responds to God's startling and unwelcome pronouncement by declaring in chapter two that he will climb to the lookout tower and wait to see how God will answer his complaint. It's confusing. God has already answered Habakkuk's complaint, and the Chaldeans are on their way. So, is Habakkuk ignoring God's response? Is he unable or unwilling to accept God's response? Is Habakkuk holding out for another answer that's more palatable and to his liking? Is he defiantly challenging God's authority to act in the world? We can't know the prophet's motivations from the text. All we know is that Habakkuk braced for the worst and climbed into the lookout tower to wait. It reminds me of an old kind of theological dad joke. So forgive me in advance. I am going to tell it. (laughs) A man falls off a high cliff. And as he slides down, he grasps at anything he can to stop his fall. He finally clutches a stray root. It's thin, but it's strong. And as he's hanging on for dear life, he yells up toward the solid ground above him. Is anybody there? A voice responds. This is God. All you have to do is let go and I'll save you. Silence. The man looks up. Is anybody else up there? <laughs> Habakkuk, like the desperate man on the cliffside, was holding on, waiting for a different way out of his mess than the one looming before him. Aren't we all, Habakkuk, when facing a choice or a future we don't want? When life as we know it is threatened and inevitably will be changed by an oncoming oncoming reality. We lament there's got to be a mistake. This can't be happening to me. Just like Habakkuk, we think this can't be God's final answer. And we fix ourselves on the hope that we've missed something. And we scan the horizon, squinting to see a future different from the one that is surely coming. So braced for the worst, Habakkuk stands and waits. And though Habakkuk waited for a definitive answer from God that would end the suffering of his people, what he got instead was something very different. In today's scripture reading, we learn that God's answer to Habakkuk's cry for a deliverance was a directive to him to act, to publish what he sees, to let the vision given him be a witness and endure through the mess of his time. Excuse me. God's response to Habakkuk focuses on him as a necessary agent in his people's deliverance. Habakkuk went to God expecting his troubled land to be transformed by God's mighty acts, but instead Habakkuk, who was looking for a way out, finds himself in more deeply. The only thing God makes clear is that Habakkuk's release from the terrible injustice of his day would be accomplished only as he stayed engaged with it. Write the vision large and stay put, doing everything you need to do so that a sprinter or someone jogging by can read it so that an old one bent over their cane can read it, so that the fit and focused and the distracted and disinterested, everyone can read it, no matter how quickly or how slowly they're moving. God's message to Habakkuk is not a new one, but it's a challenging one. It's a call to do the hard work of staying put of speaking truth and of taking heart in the assurance of things not yet seen. For us, God's message to Habakkuk could mean having the courage to stay when everything's a mess. Or it could mean, in the case of an abusive relationship or an oppressive circumstance, staying with the painful process that ultimately results in physically leaving. It could mean resisting our tendency to wish it away and instead addressing it head on. It could mean trusting that what we cannot yet see merits our perseverance. It could mean not only staying at the table, but staying at many tables. Showing up, as they say in AA, day after day, doing our work and contributing to our new future. I'm sure that many of you, like I did, saw the news earlier this week about the unveiling in the Boston Commons of the MLK statue titled Embrace. Sadly, it's all kind of a mess. But I want to leave you with a thought and an image of a different statue in honor of Dr. King, one that's also in Boston, and one that I experienced as a seminary student at the Boston University School of Theology. I graduated from the BU School of Theology in 1982, the same school from which Dr. King earned his degree in systematic theology in 1955. On those cold days in Boston, when I sat in the Marsh Chapel for worship, I was aware that some 25 years before me, Martin sat there too. And when I looked up from my research in the School of Theology library, the view out of the window was different when he saw it. But for a moment, I can say that we saw the world through the same frame. I know that Dr. King lived and breathed and walked through the same halls that I did. And I know that he was as human as I am. And I'm moved even to this day by the power of his vision that still lives on. And by the grit and limitations of his humanity, which I know he must have felt as all seminarians do inside those seminary walls. There's a sculpture by Sergio Castillo that has stood since 1975 in the center of Marsh Plaza outside the chapel at the School of Theology, titled Free at Last. 50 iron doves flying in formation representing peace in all 50 states. The image of doves with wings made of iron struggling to take flight is not lost on those of us who still pursue the dream. Dr. King said this in his speech the day before he was assassinated. If I were standing at the beginning of time with the possibility of a general and panoramic view of the whole of human history up until now. And the Almighty said to me, which age would you like to live in? I would take my mental flight by Egypt, across the Red Sea, through the wilderness. You may remember that after mentioning various other significant times and places, Dr. King reveals exactly where he would choose to be. And he said this, I would turn to the Almighty and say, if you allow me to live just a few years in the second half of the 20th century, I'd be happy. He continues to say, now that's a strange statement to make, because the world is messed up. The nation is sick. Trouble is in the land. But that's exactly where Dr. King wanted to be, right smack in the middle of his messed up world, just like Habakkuk was in his, and just like we are called to be in ours, dug in for the duration, publishing the vision, speaking truth, and staunchly staying put, trusting in a future that will surely come. May it be so. Amen.
0: Some uh, seven or so centuries later, Jesus would have his own way of staying put, staying put in a mess of uh, institutions collapsing around him. Saying yes to the mess of of a government trying to take his life and to repress his people and people around. And so um, we follow in that long line of people that have stayed put by coming to the table, practicing what can also be in and of itself a mess. When we say all means all and welcome to the table that is a dangerous invitation and it is God's invitation that we might live that way and so we do that recognizing that sometimes we're um, not even that puddle and that we fall short of staying put and we want to run away when we need to stay and we're afraid to run away when we really need that space and so we do that by what the church calls a prayer of confession. And we share that together with one voice because we are in this together, as God longs for us to be. So I invite you to stand as you're willing and able. And I invite us to join our voices together as one, as we pray together these words of confession. Holy one, we confess our need for grace and mercy. We seek forgiveness for the ways in which we have drawn away from you and our neighbors we express remorse for our participation in the systems of the world that are actively opposed to your kingdom. Transform us to be carriers, the promoters of your good news of new life, liberation, and hope in the world. Amen. Friends, the God of peace, God of grace is faithful and stays with us in every mess. And so may the good news of God's unfolding grace that envelops and circles all of creation this day and you be known in the depths of your bodies and souls that this good news may be yours this day. May the people of God say amen.
7: Let us join now in the call and response. Which has become the way of the church throughout the generations to recognize and celebrate the presence of Christ within every neighbor. May the peace of Christ be with you.
1: God.
0: join our voices in that prayer that jesus wrote on the hearts of those followers around him what the church calls the lord's prayer we've adapted and evolved this prayer together through the generations and we invite you this day to address god in the way that is dearest in your own heart whatever language that might be so let us be in a spirit of prayer our mother who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done
7: Pour out your spirit on us gathered in many places. Pour out your spirit on these gifts before us. Make these gifts the body and love of Christ and make us through them Christ's body alive in the world.
0: Amen, amen. I invite you to be seated. Here at the table, we practice what we call an open communion table. So each and every person is invited to join together in this practice here. We truly do believe that all means all. We encourage those who are at home to gather whatever you might use this day for your bread and for your juice. It may help to have a candle in that space, depending on where you are. Sarnit and our folks are gonna help us as we continue to find our way in the whatever moment of pandemic we are in we are going to move outside for communion and we've continued this practice and We're going to keep doing this for now. So Sarnit will help us by moving pew to pew to invite folks to move outside. Around the entire sanctuary, you will see um, places that you're welcome to pause and to pray. There are places to kneel on the side and also in the back to stand. For some of us, it is helpful to light candles and to be in a spirit of prayer. So, friends, this is the body of Christ and the bread of life broken for you and the cup of God's love poured out for all. Amen. We encourage those of you praying with candles to stay for just as long as you need in that place of prayer loving God may your abundant grace sustain us in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of this cup may this way of yours become our way of life in the world that we might truly offer welcome to all In the sharing of this meal, may we be connected to one another and to you and sent into the world as peacemakers and justice seekers, now and always. Amen. We hope here at the table you will continue to wonder about what God's next steps for you might be, about what you might be called to write um, and to write plainly for the whole world to see. Some of us do that by practicing our faith in so many different ways. One of those would be to carry a hammer and a nail. They'll allow even someone as unskilled as me to join them at Habitat for Humanity. So that means all of you are already more skilled than some of our people will be there. And so we would love to have you sign up to be with We have three shifts there, February 2nd, 3rd, and 5th, where we'll be joining with other communities of faith. The deadline for the registration, though, is this Friday. So please sign up today if you would like. We know that's during work days for most of us. Um, So we'll leave that to you. That's a Thursday, Friday, and then also a Sunday if you would like to join a team there. Outside of the sanctuary, um, Chloe and others have been working on bread. They have a subscription now, CSB, community-supported bread. You can sign up um, online. <laughs> Linda's going to clap for that. That is okay. We would love for you to learn more about that online. There's a pop-up stand right outside if you would like to taste some of the incredible bread that they're baking just down the hallway. We're going to go out in song this morning. This is our music team sending us with the war and Treaties." This is Love Like There's No Tomorrow.
1: Loving every night and day, loving all our troubles away. We're gonna love like there's no tomorrow. Loving every minute and hour, loving past our own power. We're gonna love like.
7: received this morning three gifts for the journey. The bread, the cup, and the fellowship of one another. Go into this beautiful, terrible, messed up world to offer yourself as a blessing, knowing that God is blessing you and keeping you, and making grace and love to shine upon you, now and always, Amen. amen.
1: We're gonna look like there's no tomorrow.